You've got work friends, you've got best friends, and now you've got ghoul friends. Hello and welcome to episode 129 of the Ghoul Friends Podcast. I'm Celeste. And I'm Caitlin. And I just don't know if you wait for me to hit record to like burp as loud as you can. (laughs) I've got a lot of like bodily bodily functions going on right now. (laughs) Last week it caught it right on recording. Luckily, this one was at the beginning. I couldn't help it. It came it's right true. from the gut. It just came right just out. just came right out. No yeah. stopping it. There was not any stopping it. Very fair. Well, try and control <laughs> the bodily functions through the recording. The, the sprudel makes me burp like no other. Have we talked about sprudel? Probably not. So, very sadly, here we can only get LaCroix sometimes. Like, we will sometimes find it. Yeah. Not always. Um, I feel like when it like is there, it goes so fast. Like it does. everyone sees it, and they're like, "Take it, take it, take yeah. it." And so, like, it's very rare that we actually get Lacroix. Yeah. Um, which right now we have like eighteen cases because we're importing them. We have a bunker of Lacroix. <laughs> we do because when you see it, you, you gotta have to get it. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we did find it's called. Uh, yeah, I'm not even trying that name. Gerald Steiner. Um, it's sparkling mineral water. Mm-hmm. Um, we never were like a fan of the like natural, um, I think it's called natural LaCroix, which yeah. is just plain LaCroix with no flavor. Right. Um, this slaps. It took a while to get used to, and they call it, um, I think a general term here for uh, sparkling water is sprudel. Mm-hmm. Like sprudel, it's not a brand, it just is the word, I think the term. So, um, you know... It took a while to get used to not having a flavor, but now it's, like, it's very refreshing. It really is. And thankfully, you can get that anywhere. All the time. Everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So we <laughs> always have a, a constant supply of sprue, but... And another weird thing that I, you know, we have learned, obviously, here is, you know, like, you have the cases of water. Yes. Like, you can just rip into a case and take, and take one. one. <laughs> yeah, that took a while to figure out. I was I'm like, like... You don't have to buy the whole case? And they're like, oh, you can take one. I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's different. And two, they bag groceries here at the speed of actual light. Well, they don't bag it. Well, you oh, bag it. I'm sorry. Let me take that back. <laughs> they scan it at the speed of light. Yes. So obviously, grocery stores in the U.S. Um, they usually have a dedicated person who is bagging your groceries for mm-hmm. you. Not always, but most times. Yeah. Um, here, you bag your own, and you do have to bring your own bags, or you have to buy bags. Yeah, you could buy yeah. like paper bag. There's no plastic. Right, or paper bags reusable bags that you buy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, which we conveniently forget ours every time we go. It's true. We do have, we named her Winona later. Yep. We, we made a TikTok <laughs> about her, if you've seen it. Yes, we did, um, which a lot, I guess it's probably more European, not German specific. Yeah. Um, the wagons. Mm-hmm, the grocery carts. You just load all your stuff into. Super handy. Super helpful, especially when I shop and mm-hmm. like you're at work and I only have two hands and Me I don't want to carry yeah. Bags. I just throw them all in Winona and wheel yeah. her in. Yeah, it's super helpful. Yeah. For sure. It took the cats a little bit to get used to her. Yeah. <laughs> I think they thought it was like a crate because it's like yeah. a cover. It's got like a cover on it. Yeah. Um, I think and it kind of looks crate like. So they're kind of looking at like, the they fuck like are you about to do? <laughs> but now they're fine with now it. Now they see it and they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. So here they will scan your groceries and you'll be like bagging your own stuff and they will just start scanning the other person's groceries behind you. And like just like separate it, the pile. Like you better get to bagging. Like it is a, for someone with anxiety, it is, it is an anxiety. It is. And they're, they're very nice about it, but it like they're very efficient. Like hurry up mm-hmm. and like get, get your, your shit, shit and, and go. Get, yeah. It really is. They literally will start bagging the next, or like scanning the next person. Yeah. The other fun fact is, um, a lot of grocery stores, you weigh and get like, you weigh your own produce, like in the produce section. Mm-hmm. You want apples, you go, you type in the number, yeah. which is hard to do because it's all in German. If you don't speak German. If you, do. <laughs> if you don't. Um, and then it prints out a little barcode that mm-hmm. they have to scan. So that has taken some getting used to. Yeah. So. It's an experience in the in the grocery store. It took a while for either of us to feel comfortable enough to go alone because mm-hmm. it was like... All right, I will pay, and you will, like, bag as fast as you can. So I saw a lady the other day, and I'm like, I don't know why I haven't thought about this. She had her bag, and, like, she was scanning her groceries, and literally she was standing there at the end with her bag, and she was just putting them in as they were coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she just, like, stopped what she was doing to pay, and I was like, that is so much better than just waiting and bagging at the end. Yeah, it's true. So I got to start doing that. But Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. I want to learn, too, it's 
called the Reve, the grocery mm-hmm. store, um, that I've seen, and it says scan and go. So I don't know if that's just like a generic term that everyone understands that. Like, yeah. to me, that sounds English. It is English. Yeah. But they're little, like... Because we have that in the U.S. Yeah. But I've never done it. I haven't either. But I saw them the other day at the Reve that you, I'm assuming you just scan your groceries as you go and then either bring it to the register or whatever. Or check out, like self-checkout. And right. And you just pay. And then you, mm-hmm. And you just take all your shit out the door. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like, know. That would be cool. Yeah, we'll have to try that. Maybe yeah. we we'll get our neighbor to go on a field trip with us and we just he can help call us. our neighbors and we're like, help! <laughs> He'll fuck. Yeah. They've been here a while, so we go to them for literally every question. And, like, I don't know that we would have, like, survived here no. without their help. Like, I, yeah, no. They have been, like, they literally just cook pizza on their pizza oven and just <laughs> hand it over the balcony to us. <laughs> it's excellent. It's a, it's a wonderful working relationship. It is. No, they've been so great. They have. It's so helpful. Yeah, for sure. It's. I think we both said it the other day, like, this is so much, we knew it would be hard, mm-hmm. but I think harder than either of us really expected. Mm-hmm. Like living in a country where there's really, there's not really a lot of English. Yeah. <laughs> younger I mean, people. You've caught on. A lot of the younger. Right. Because from what I understand, I could be completely wrong. So if anyone in Germany that knows this answer would like to correct me, feel free. Um, I believe it is taught in school. It is mandatory to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, therefore, the younger people are more likely to have retained it. Sure. Um, I've also found that, you know, um, luckily in, like, the big box stores around here, too, like Ikea. Obviously, there's Ikeas yeah. everywhere, but there is one near us. Um, there is a lot of younger people, so you, it's easier to find Fair. an English speaker. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, it's not easy at all. No. Um, and you definitely have to pack your patience. Like, we've been too scared to go get our car washed for, like, three weeks now because we don't know how to work the car wash. <laughs> because it's illegal to wash your car at home. Yep. You have to go get it washed. You have to go to a car wash. Um, and there's a really nice one nearby where it looks like they, like, not detail it, but they, like, will clean, clean the, the inside. inside. And outside. Which we have in the U.S., mm-hmm. too. Um, we just can't figure out how to do it. <laughs> so, um, yeah. <laughs> we got to figure out how to do it. Yeah. Because <laughs> our car is very dirty. It's very dirty. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's about what's going on around here. <laughs> um, Two cucumbers with anxiety yeah. moved to a foreign country. <laughs> a non-English speaking foreign country. <laughs> Smart. Where they don't speak the language. <laughs> like Spain, we would have been fine. Yep. I could have figured it out. Here, I'm like, I got nothing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, cats are still doing well. <clears throat> yeah, they are. They are pretty much all settled in now. I would say. Yeah. Winona, I think, is the only thing that kind of bothers them because it's not out all the time, like, rolling around. Mm-hmm. Like, a couple days, do I do I get her? Yeah. Um, but other than that, I mean, yeah. Now they're more curious to, like, walk out the front door. I know, which is not good. No. <laughs> so I'm, like, every time I open our front door, I, like, I kick my foot to, like, make sure there's not a cat trying to escape because mm-hmm. I think they're very curious to go. Out there. Out. And they also want to get on the back balcony. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mine. No. no. Not <laughs> happening. Yeah. No. But no, it's it's been good. They're settling in and mm-hmm. we're settling in. So. Yeah. All is well. It's nice and cool today, which is a welcome change. Yeah. But we have to buckle up because <laughs> it's going to be like 95 this oh week. God, with no AC. <laughs> I can't even. I know. I miss AC. I'm just turning all the lines down and... I'm going to sit on Bunk the couch down. and play Xbox and have the fan blowing on me and misting myself with the mister. Pretty Ooh, much. I saw on Amazon, there was these um, fans that you like put, they kind of look like headphones, but you uh-huh. put it kind of like around your neck oh. and it's got two little fans that just like constantly blows and people said it's like life changing. They're like 15 bucks. I'm like, okay. we probably should order them. You should get two. <laughs> so <laughs> and we can just walk around with our fans a blowing. Yep. Yeah, the the no AC thing, that, that does get you in the summer. But, you know, thankfully here, summer doesn't seem to last as long. So I'm ready for it to be over. Yeah, and I would say, too, like today, it's the middle of July. And it's like a high of 73, I mm-hmm. think. So, like, there are stretches. Because you see, if you look at, like, the forecast, it's super hot for, like, three or four days. Yeah. And then it kind of just tapers back off. So it's like, it gets really hot. And you're like, this fucking sucks. And mm-hmm. then it's just like days like today and you're like oh it's not bad yeah so I'm looking forward to that kind of 
moving on and the cooler weather starting to set in. Yeah. So, you know, it's hard because, you know, obviously right now we want to go do things and see things, but when it's super hot, it's just, it's really hard to. Yeah. So I'm like, come fall, like, I'm going to be on everything. I'm going to be everywhere, every yep. weekend, all over the place. Yeah, for like, sure. You I'm, catch, I'm not going walking around anywhere when it's 95. Yeah. You will catch me in a castle every weekend, I swear <laughs> to God. Um, but until then, yeah, I think it's just trying to stay cool. Yeah. But we're just trying to get settled in the cats and mm-hmm. just learn our way around before we try to... Yeah. Go everywhere. Go everywhere. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's going well. We're doing well. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other updates. I don't think there is. I don't think so either. No. Here, our washer. Sorry. <laughs> we record on the weekends, and that's a lot yeah, of laundry time. It's laundry day, so sorry. <laughs> um, all right. Well, do we want to get into it? Sure. What is our theme this weekend? Murder. Murder. <laughs> we did. We like to do a little true crime every now and then. Yeah. So we felt we like were, it's about time. We were talking to our neighbors about it because um, they're true crime kind of junkies, yep. which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of inspired us to do a true crime, but we kept it like maybe not in Germany. Mine touches in Germany a yeah. little bit. It has Germany ties. Yeah. Yours is in Germany. Yep. But yep. Yep. We had to, you know, throw some German in there. Sure. Yeah. Do you want to go first, or would you like me to go first? Um, do you just have the one? I do. I also have just the one. Okay. Um, I'll go first. Okay. Um, so for mine, I did do this a, a long time ago in an episode. I think we were still in Massachusetts, so okay. it's definitely been a while. Um, I, this is a revisiting, given that it occurred in Germany, and now we're here in Germany. Mm-hmm. So and our podcast probably was not that good. And probably no one was listening back then, so if you don't want to have to comb back and go look for that, um, you can listen to this one instead. Um, So I'm talking about the Hinterkaifeck murders. Yeah, this is a particularly, I will give a uh, graphic or a trigger warning when we get to it, but this is particularly gruesome. Um, So for those that don't know, that this occurred at Hinterkaifeck Farmstead, um, which is a, a tiny town. It's about an hour away from Munich. Um, and just uh, a little language lesson that I learned was hinter um, refers to the town. So it literally means town of Kaifak. Oh, okay. So um, the family that lived on the farmstead were, was made up of uh, a woman named Victoria Gabriel. She was 35. Okay. Um, I probably would not be able to pronounce the German version of this name, but I did <laughs> look it up, and I believe its English component is uh, Cecilia, and she was seven. And then there was Joseph, who was two, and then um, Victoria's parents, Andreas, and also Cecilia Gruber, um, who were, like I said, her parents. So two Cecilias, keep that in mind. So this all kind of started on April 1st of 1922, um, when Cecilia, obviously the younger one, did not go to school, and the family ended up missing church, and also stopped picking up their mail. So neighbors kind of became worried. Remember, this is a very small town. Everybody knows everybody's business. Right. Anything out of the norm, people are going to start picking up on. Um, They get so worried about where the family is that on April 4th, a neighboring farmer named Lorenz Schlittenbauer um, decides he's going to go to the farmstead and see if someone's sick or what's going on. So he leads a search party to the farm. Um, When they get there, they find a pretty horrific scene. Um, when they go to the barn, they find four bodies of the family members in the barn that are covered by hay. Mm. And that's kind of an interesting detail because we're going to talk about the covering theme here in a minute. Um, they then proceeded obviously into the house and that's where they found Joseph, who was two and the, uh, new maid whose name was, uh, Maria Baumgartner. And it was actually her first day working there. Um, they were also deceased in the house. So obviously this is a horrific scene. Yeah. It sounds like, you know, these things just didn't happen. Right. Especially in a tiny little tiny town. town. So all those people. Right. An entire family yeah. kind of annihilated. So obviously this is a big deal. Um, so a physician is hired to do the autopsies. And I found this really interesting because obviously this happened in 1922, but even as far like 
you know, if you look back through history, we've always been really fascinated or like felt the need to figure out why someone died. Mm-hmm. Like autopsies. I would be very curious to see when the first autopsy was performed. Because <laughs> it just, you know, obviously technology was very different in right. the 20s where it is now. But like, you know, this desire and need to figure out, you know, the cause of someone's death. When was it? A long time ago. I'm, I kind of figured. The first forensic or legal autopsy wherein the death was investigated to determine presence of, in quotes, fault is said to have been one requested by a magistrate in, is it Bologna? Is that how you say that? Bologna, I think. Oh, okay. To me, it's B-O-L-O-G-N-A. In Italy. <laughs> <laughs> um, in 1302. Wow. See, yeah. <laughs> you raise me up. I'll do it because I, I can't talk by myself. When our dryer goes off, it sounds like the first uh, three notes to You Raise Me Up by Josh Groban. So now we just joke that Josh Groban is doing our laundry all day long. So there's that. And we obviously poorly timed it. So apologies. Um, yeah. Okay. So sorry. We're not professional. This you know. All right. In the back. In your back. All right, so yes, that's interesting. That I, obviously we've been doing autopsies for a really long time. I don't think I could ever watch one. You should talk to my mom. She, no. she did a lot of them. Mm-mm. The cadaver that was awful. I hated it. I hated every second. Like See, I looked away from everything. I've never seen a cadaver ever. Ooh. I've. I don't think mm-hmm. I've seen a deceased person other than like at a funeral, like yeah. interviewing them. But mm-hmm. yeah, not for you. No, I looked away. I was like, whatever I need to do to participate is. Whatever gets me my good grade, but after that, mm-mm. Yeah, it was interesting, too. I asked my mom one time if she would ever get scared doing autopsies, and mm-mm. she was like, um, no, because they're not coming back, so I don't... I know. She was like, they're dead. Like, I'm more worried about, like, people that are alive. Yeah. Apparently, mm-hmm. one time, my dad, when they were working in the hospital, brought down lunch or something to her, and she was in the middle of one and, like, scared the absolute shit out of her, and he was like, how are you not scared down here? She's like, I'm not scared of them. I'm scared of you. <laughs> Like, get out. Yeah. Mm-mm. So, yeah. No, I find that very, very interesting. So, um, in this case, uh, a physician named Dr. Johann uh, Baptist Abmuller uh, performed the autopsies. And trigger warning, because this does get quite graphic. Feel free to fast forward here. So, they did find that the mother, the elder Cecilia, had died of strangulation and blunt force to the head. Um, Andreas um, also suffered from blunt force and had a significant wound to like his cheek area on his face. Um, Victoria also died of blunt force trauma. That kind of seems to be the theme here. And this is particularly, I found kind of disturbing. The younger Cecilia's lower jaw had been broken. Um, They also determined that she probably did not die instantly, which is horrific. So that's just another disturbing little detail. Um, So... In the house, remember, that's where they found uh, the maid, Maria uh, Baumgartner, and Joseph. They also passed a blunt force trauma. Now, one thing very interesting about this was that I told you before that the bodies in the farmhouse had been covered with hay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I could see if you're maybe trying to hide them. Um, I've also read before that they were kind of like stacked yeah. on one another, which is an odd detail. Um, in the house, however, uh, from what I could tell, you know, they were not, their bodies were not hidden, but they were covered either with a sheet or clothes, like the body was covered. Mm -hmm. And that's an interesting little detail to me. Another little thing that kind of came up is that they were on a farm, right? So they have animals, they Mm -hmm. have crops. No animals were harmed in this and appeared to have been fed and watered in the days from the time the murder occurred to when they were found. So this person, we can assume, came in, annihilated an entire family, covered the bodies, but kept the animals alive, and then skedaddled. Like, yeah, that's weird. It's an, like couldn't look at it, like couldn't see what they did. Like they did. Yeah, the covering to me, it makes me think of two things, and I'm obviously not a professional, just a humble opinion. Um, I think of shame, mm-hmm. guilt. Um, which would make me lead to me to think that this was a very emotionally driven murder. Someone who knew the family would be my, Mm -hmm. you know, my thought or, you know, covering that just makes me feel like ritualistic, Mm, but usually, unfortunately too, animals are usually involved in rituals. And I like, it's just that, that part is a little, I don't quite know what to make of that. I don't like it. 
I don't like that, Raymond. Yeah, I don't like it either. So, obviously, there is a huge need to figure out what the hell happened mm-hmm. and who did this. Um, so, the family or, you know, the police start kind of going back and reviewing the family's history. And um, some interesting things kind of come out of that investigation. So, what is kind of funny, or not funny, but interesting, is that the family's previous maid, because I told you, Maria, mm-hmm. it was her first, first day. day. Yeah. Um, she had actually quit because she believed the house was haunted. She reported feeling watched very frequently in the house, as well as hearing footsteps that could not be explained. Um, Andreas also reported strange things happening. Um, A newspaper, for example, that was delivered went missing, and a set of keys went missing. And then they found an unknown set of footprints in the snow from the forest, to the farmstead that no one could explain. So this kind of leads the uh, police to really kind of narrow it down because at first they kind of thought that the killer might have been a passerby, Mm -hmm. someone who was coming through town. But given what those events, and given, I'm assuming, the emotional motivation of just, you know, murdering an entire family, they realized that this was probably someone who knew the family and had a working knowledge of the farm. Because, I mean, they've kept the animals up. They have to know where their food is. I mean, this is someone who has been there. And it also gives them kind of the eerie realization that this person was probably there months before the killing Mm -hmm. ever took place. Could have explained why the maid thought the house was haunted if she was hearing footsteps. Yeah. Perhaps he was in... Like living in the attic. Like in an attic area Mm -hmm. or like a crawl space Mm -hmm. or something. So that, you know, in case you needed more heebie-jeebies, there's that too. So, um, once they had kind of ruled out, like I said, someone passing by, they really started honing in on people who knew the family. Because again, remember, this is a small town. Mm -hmm. Um, and there were some things that came out about the family themselves that, uh, could have played into the motive. Um, so the first suspect that they identified was actually the man who found them, Lorenz Schlittenbauer. Now, he had actually had a previous relationship with Victoria and something interesting, too, is no one, there's not a clear record of who Joseph, the two-year-old, who his father actually was. Now, Victoria was a widow. Her husband died, I believe, in World War I. Um, but uh, it was never clearly stated, you know, when he, I don't know when he died, and I don't know when Joseph was born. Okay. So it, there were some questions if, you know, Lorenz was actually the father. He did want to marry Victoria, but um, her father absolutely said no, and they ended up breaking up. Um, He eventually did marry someone else who had a child who tragically did pass away. So the theory and the motivation police thought was that in a grief-stricken rage over kind of this legitimacy of his parentage, if he was Joseph's father... And the loss of a child could have been a motivator to carry out the murders. Mm. Now, the other interesting thing is that they said that when he found the bodies and once the investigation had started, he had kind of odd reactions around them. Like, he was not repulsed. He was not um, outwardly upset. uh, Like, you might suspect someone could react. Yeah. Um, but police just never had any way to place him at the scene. There was no way, I believe he had witnesses that saw him elsewhere when this would have happened. So they just couldn't put him there. And now looking at it, a lot of people say that he was probably in a state of shock and people experiencing shock can show what you could deem as unusual Mm -hmm. reactions. So that kind of got him taken off the list. Okay. So the next, and this one's kind of far-fetched, option was um, Carl Gabriel, who was Victoria's late husband, who died. Did he actually die in the war was the question. And maybe he had come back. If she had had this son with Lorenz, maybe that was enough motivation. This didn't hold much water because in looking into it, multiple soldiers confirmed witnessing his death during the war. So that was quickly kind of taken off the list, too. Um, A kind of... um, more sinister theory uh, was that Andreas had a history of violence. Um, he was apparently not a very nice guy. He also had, uh, there were a lot of rumors of him um, having incest with family members. So, that. Uh, Victoria was actually the only one of his children to survive to adulthood because of him. Every, I don't know how many siblings she had, but they all died in childhood. Hmm. And it can be assumed that his violent nature may have had Something, something to do with that. Uh, 
Okay. So the thought in the, you know, one uh, theory, too, is that maybe Joseph was the child of Victoria and her father, and that either Andreas committed the murder and then completed suicide, or Victoria did the same. However, this didn't really hold up either because um, the autopsy reports did not indicate anything about either of their injuries being self-inflicted. Okay. So, uh, you know, that one didn't hold a, a lot of water either. So, uh, ultimately, they have never figured out who did this. It remains unsolved to this day. Um, it has been uh, reopened several times throughout history. Even um, the, fam- the skulls of the family members were sent to Munich for analysis, but no really additional conclusions were drawn from this. Um, and in 1923, the farmstead and the house were demolished. Mm-hmm. Um, just, it sounded like it was just such a, a horrific event. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, too, in 2007, the Furstenfeldbruck Police Academy decided they were going to reopen the case um, just because, you know, forensic techniques at that time were not nearly what they are now. Right. Um, there was some missing evidence. And they claim that they have identified a killer, but um, they have not ever released this to the public out of respect for the descendants of the family that remain. So is it solved? Is it not solved? Interesting. But it is one of um, Germany's greatest, like, you know. Yeah. Unsolved mysteries. Unsolved, yeah. 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 So that is Hinterkaifeck. Nice. So, wherever near Munich, I believe there is now a memorial near the farmstead, mm. um, a very small, modest one, but sure. you can go see that. So, if you're ever near Munich, about mm. an hour away. Okay. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. All right. Are you ready? I am. Okay. We're going to a modern one, because this was way back. This one is, like, pretty present day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, this, I never heard of this dude. Until we watched a Netflix documentary mm-hmm. called The Staircase. Very good. Staircase. Staircase. The right? Staircase. Yeah. yeah. Highly recommend. Um, oh, this guy just makes my skin crawl. Yeah. This was an interesting one. I don't know how I feel about it. Um, so this is Michael Hesmiller's Ivor Peterson. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just going to give like a really brief kind of introduction of like to the beginning of his life and then we're going to fast forward. Yep. Um, so time out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That one doesn't sing Josh Groban. It just it just beeps at you until it opens it. So, you know, there's that as well. But it is what it is. So, yes. All right. Good. They're both off. They're okay. both quiet. No Cats more laundry. Are, Cats are both sleeping, you know. All is well. If we were smart, we would have just waited, but... We're not. We're not here for that. Okay. Um, so... Michael Peterson was born just outside of Nashville, Tennessee, mm-hmm. on October 23rd of 1943. Um, he was very smart. Um, he went to Duke University for his undergrad and got his bachelor's degree in political science. Um, and he was also the president of Sigma Nu fraternity. Um, fun fact, Duke was on my list of colleges I wanted to go to until I saw the average SAT score. And I was like, maybe not. Nope. <laughs> Not gonna happen. Not gonna do that. They don't have AC, right? Or was that? Yeah, they. Um, I now this could be very different. I'm not hating on Duke, but um, when I toured it, the dorms did not have AC, and you have to live there three out of four years. Mm-hmm. And I was like, um, that is in North Carolina in the summer. I think not. No, thank you. <laughs> um, and yeah, so he was the president of Sigma Nu, mm-hmm. and he also was the editor for the school's um, student newspaper. Okay. Um, he graduated from Duke and went to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and went to law school. Hmm. Um, so after that, he actually goes into the military and joins um, the Marine Corps. Okay. Um, and then took a job with the United States Department of Defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and he started studying kind of arguments supporting increased military involvement in Vietnam. Okay. Um, and he also did serve in Vietnam. Okay. Um, so in 1968, he married a woman named Patricia Sue. Okay. And she was an elementary school teacher here in Germany at the Rhine Main, um, no, it'd be mine. What? Mines. Oh. I'm assuming mm-hmm. it's mine, not Maine. The Rhine Mine Air Base in Grafenhausen, Germany. And I just typed that into my 
trusty old GPS, and it's like 28 minutes. Oh, that's funny. Here, so yeah. it's very, very close. Um, so they went on, had two children, and their names were Clayton and Todd. Um, and they'll come back into the story a little bit later. Um, so that's kind of like the basic. We're going to fast forward a little bit into 1971. Okay. Um, he was honorably discharged as a captain after he got into a bad car accident and was mm-hmm. left permanently disabled. Okay. Um, so that's kind of a very rough beginning of, yeah. you know, like his, not rough beginning, but like rough outline yeah. of his mm-hmm. life. Um, nothing really important happens. But do keep in mind of uh, the honorable discharge okay. in the military stuff. Um, now we're going to enter where he becomes a douchebag. And <laughs> um, a few, few years later, after he was um, discharged from the military, he ran for um, the position of mayor of okay. Durham, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And he had claimed that he had received a silver star Um which in the United States military is basically showing like extreme like heroism. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also claimed that he had a bronze star, which is about the, um, the same as a silver star, but is in like an active war zone. Okay. Um, and then he also claimed that he had received two purple hearts, which is a, an award given by the president, either to a member um, that had been killed mm-hmm. in action or someone that was wounded, wounded in action. Um, and he claimed that one of his Purple Hearts was given to him after he was hit with shrapnel after a fellow soldier had stepped on a landmine, mm-hmm. and he received the other Purple Heart from being shot. Okay. Um, I feel like anytime you're in politics, the last thing you should do is lie, which a lot of them do. Yep, that's usually how um, politics goes. <laughs> um, so this is no different for him. Um, there is no record of him receiving any Purple Hearts. Oh, um, but he did receive the silver and bronze okay. awards so, um, okay. or medals, mm-hmm. um, but did not receive any mm-hmm. um, purple hearts. Um, That's very easily researched. I feel like too, like yeah, there's not something all good those to, records. Like documents, <laughs> probably not something good to lie about. <laughs> right, um, and I don't know if it's going to come up later. Or if I just forgot to mention it in my notes, so I'm just going to say it. If it comes up, I'll just skip it. Mm-hmm. Um, that he did end up confessing that he did not receive. Um, it was from not being shot, but it was from a car accident where oh. he was honorably discharged. Oh, he was saying he was shot, but he was the car he, accident. He got in a what? car accident. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So no purple hearts. He and his wife had the two children. Um, and then here in Germany, they lived here for quite a while. Um, they had become really good friends um, of a, with a couple that had children um, very similar to age mm-hmm. of Clayton and Todd, their children. Um, and those two girls' names were Margaret and Martha, were mm-hmm. the daughters. Okay. Um, both of their parents ended up dying in a short period of time. Um, it, I think it was the same year. I think it was oh, wow. 19... Jeez. Ooh, 85, I think. I did not write it down. But um, Michael actually took custody of the two girls. Oh, wow. Um, it was like they were best friends. They were super close, mm-hmm. lived super close together. Um, like I said, we're going to circle back to the, the children and kind of the other two children, Clayton and Todd, in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, a few years after that, this is in 1987, Michael and Patricia got divorced. Okay. Um, and Michael took the two girls and moved back to Durham, okay. North Carolina. Um, the two boys, Michael and Clayton, or Clayton and Todd, stayed here mm-hmm. um, with Patricia, the mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, but very soon after they left, they decided they wanted to move back to, to North Carolina. So now Michael is there with four children in mm-hmm. the house. Um, it didn't take him long to find a new companion. In 1989, he moved in with a woman named Kathleen Atwater, mm-hmm. um, and she had a daughter named Caitlin. And so now there's, like, this very blended family, but mm-hmm. there are five children. Yep. Okay. Following? Yes. Am I explaining this okay? Yeah, yeah you are. <laughs> okay. All right. So now we're going to fast forward quite a while. Um, Michael Peterson called 911 on December 9th of 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, he was very jumbled, said he had found his wife unconscious on the floor. And what he said is, it looks like she's fallen about 15 to 20 stairs. I don't know. And that's kind of all he said. Okay. On this, like, 911 call. Okay. Um, 
and then the police arrive, and he kind of changed his story, and this is kind of where they first are like, something's not adding up. Um, He said that he had been sitting by the pool until about 2.40 a.m. and said she must have fallen after drinking excessive alcohol and taking Valium. Um, And he was the only person at the home at this time, so he was a prime suspect, because if if you look at, like, the kind of the crime scene, like, photos, I mean, it is, it looks brutal. Um, Yeah. Maybe not so much, like, a fall down the stairs. Sure, and generally, I think in most cases, too, a spouse is usually the first suspect. Yeah. I mean, nine times out of ten is usually them. Right. And since his story kind of changed and this, Mm -hmm. um, they did end up, they... Obviously, for most people, you'd probably be arrested and mm-hmm. you're charged with murder. And that's what he was. Um, so they obviously take her body for an autopsy and they obviously do a toxicology report. Um, and she had a blood alcohol content of 0. 0.07. What's, I don't I know. I think what... 0.08 is like the drunk driving. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like that's, so she's still technically, I believe, under the legal limit of if she's going to drive a car. Sure. I don't think she was shit tight. Not, not like excessively. Um, but she did also have somewhere between 5 and 15 milligrams of Valium. Interesting. Um, okay. I don't think I've ever taken Valium. No, I don't think I don't. So I don't know. But I can't imagine mixing alcohol and Valium is probably a, a, a great idea combo. No. So I could see. Um, okay. So this is going to get a little weird. Her injuries, incl- and I don't know what any of this really is other than gross. Um, and I would not want it to be me. Um, her injuries included, uh, I guess a trigger warning. This is a little graphic. Mm-hmm. Um, a fracture of the superior cornu of the left thyroid cartilage. Doesn't sound good. And seven very deep lacerations to the top of her head, um, okay. which the autopsy, um, I guess it was the coroner, said was consistent with head blows by a blunt object. Interesting. Um, and... They also said that she did not instantly die, um, but she did die from blood loss and was probably alive somewhere between 90 minutes to two hours after um, sustaining the injuries. So did so when, I'm sorry, when did she fall? Do they know? Like, I'm just curious how long between the time she falls and the time he calls for 911. I I think it was... So I, I don't know. Okay. Honestly, I don't I, I, know be how long because his story changed. Remember? Mm-hmm. Then he said he didn't come in until after two forty. So he theoretically didn't hear her fall, and she's just she's there, right? And then he finds her. Okay. Um, but I don't think it was terribly long. Okay. After, because um, there was no like he waited a day or two. Or, like, no, it no, was, it was that same. It was pretty. I would say within that time. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So the medical examiner, her name was Deborah Radish, um, concluded that her death was from lacerations by homicidal assault. So they ruled that not accidental. It was not a fall down the stairs. Um, So this, if you watched or have watched the documentary, I mean, this gets wild, and I'm not going into like all the details. All the theories. I mean, and it was just asinine to me. so Michael's defense team kind of argued that the blood spatter was consistent with a fall down the stairs, but like everybody was testifying, like it's, it's really not, mm. um, the had, like I said, the weird theories, um, there was like an owl I, theory of like this owl digging her head and then she lost blood and like fell. Yeah. I remember that when they theorized that like she could have, when she, cause she was out at the pool too yes. with him and then she went in mm-hmm. that on her way in an owl like mistaking her for, for maybe something that an owl would grab mm-hmm. came down, scratched her enough to cause bleeding to make her become lightheaded to lose consciousness and fall down the stairs. Yes. That's a little far fetched to me. Yeah. They, there were a lot of far fetched kind of theories. I think if you're, you know, I believe that he did it. I mean, people have their own theories and mm-hmm. beliefs and whatever. Um, but I feel like when you're, almost desperate you're gonna try anything sure to try and sway well also, i mean <laughs> sure um so yeah that was just kind of weird um and then also another um interesting fact uh that kind of was brought up during the trial obviously everybody you're gonna get stuff stripped up mm-hmm. so obviously they're talking about him lying about purple hearts and just kind of not being a you know super honest person um 
he also was bisexual, mm-hmm. and they some believe that um, he had a like secret lover that was mm. a man. And him and Kathleen had gotten in a fight because she had learned about oh. obviously an affair, mm-hmm. and especially with a man that she was maybe embarrassed or you know like didn't want the community to know, right? Um, or going to go public with it, right? Because they both were pretty prominent. Um, I mm-hmm. think they're both writers. I don't know if she was a writer. I know he was. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, he was well-known well in, in the, the community. community yeah, so sure. that could kind of be a really hard thing to, I guess, right. digest and, like, have out in the public. Uh, not that I'm ashamed or right. anything bad, but I can, you know, obviously people. Yeah, sure, it'd be, everyone's not different. Like yeah. Um, there also was another little tidbit fact that Kathleen had a $1.5 million life insurance policy. And I believe, I don't know that he was the sole beneficiary, but I know he was going to receive a good, a bit, good of bit of that. Hmm. Um, so on October 10th, 2003, he was found guilty of premeditated murder um, and was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Mm-hmm. So that's where it's going to end, right? <laughs> nope. Because <laughs> I know I've seen the documentary. <laughs> um, it doesn't end there. Um, no. And so now we're going to kind of rewind again. Remember the girls that he yes, adopted. adopted. Um, remember the he, he had the rights to the children, right? After their father died, it was only after shortly or shortly after he died that Elizabeth died. Yes. In that time that she was still alive. Michael was helping her sure. kind of with the kids and, you yeah. know, they obviously were very, very close mm-hmm. and it was not uncommon for him to kind of go over help with dinner, with dishes, sure. yeah. get the house picked up, get the girls to bed. Um, so this was not abnormal. He goes over, helps Elizabeth, put the girls to bed, had dinner with him, goes home. All is seemingly okay. Um, the next morning there nanny shows up and uh she finds elizabeth dead on the floor where at the bottom of the stairs at the bottom of their staircase that, is, that for me that was the because like i don't know i i guess i didn't know where i stood at that point in the documentary on whether i thought if he had done it or not that detail i just think that is too coincident i don't know something about that one Mm-mm. So th- I feel the same exact way. However, um, he's a fucking nasty Nelly for Kathleen. I believe he definitely murdered her. Sure. Um, and, this and he one, was found guilty in he, the court of law. Yes, he was. Um, that's why I don't feel bad calling him a nasty. Um, however, this was brought up because remember this happened in 1985 Correct. prior to Kathleen. Kathleen. Uh, it was investigated by the German police and the United States military police, mm-hmm. and an autopsy did confirm that she died from an intracerebral hemorrhage, secondary to von Willenbrand's disease, which is a blood coagulation disorder. Okay. Um, so it probably would be very easy for her to bleed out. Um, and the coroner did determine that after the hemorrhage, she collapsed and fell down the stairs and died kind of immediately after that. Mm. Um, so, of course, this is going to get brought up into yeah. the testimony um, and trial that he had for Kathleen. Mm-hmm. Um, the prosecution team, before the trial had even started, uh, requested that sh- her body be exhumed and um, re-autopsy. Mm-hmm. Um, she was embalmed, and so she was pretty well preserved. Yeah. I feel like you have something to say. Yeah, I like... I understand the, the, why they did it. I just think that was a that was a very gut wrenching. I could only imagine for her children her how family, that yeah felt, you know yeah that could not have been good. Um, so this was in two thousand and three. Um, they did another autopsy, and the coroner determined that it was homicide, um, and that there were uh, it was like blunt force trauma, to, like kind of the same right of the manner of Kathleen's Kathleen death. There were so, there's so much. I could literally talk for like five hours. So I'm not going to do that. Um, long story short of that, the prosecution never um, accused Michael of murdering Elizabeth. Elizabeth. 
they only said it kind of gave him, and I don't even want to use this word, but like the inspiration or kind of a way like how he could fake mm-hmm. her, you know, yeah. falling and like, oh, that's how it happened, you know, right. when he actually, I believe, murdered her. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't. I did not deep dive into, you know, every detail of the mm-hmm. trial. So I don't know. Obviously, they didn't feel like they had enough to prove that it, it was him, possibly. Uh-huh. But enough that he kind of had the idea of mm-hmm. how to fake for mm-hmm. not being murdered. Right. Does that make sense? It, it does. Okay. I mean, there's, it, I think it, they, the point they were trying to make is it shows a pattern. Right. Between the mm-hmm. two deaths and similar. the manner of death. And yeah. I think some things are just a little bit too coincidental. I, to I just ignore. don't believe. I don't believe it. Mm-hmm. I think he probably probably killed Catherine, but, too. I, but or, I, or Elizabeth. Elizabeth. But why? Like, th- that's more of, like, was there a light? Like, was there money involved there? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just, like, that, that well, motivation. he was having an affair with her. Maybe. Um... I don't know. I just, there's so many questions that I, that I still have about this. Yeah. And so a few of their children, this whole blended family, family, Mm -hmm. um, some stuck by his side, um, for most of it. And a lot of them kind of jumped his ship when like kind of the, um, they, this is what they called it, like his gay life, Mm. um, kind of came out and kind of, um, when the, um, testimony in the coroner's um, report, mm. you know, from her autopsy, kind of came out that it was murder. He was the only one there, so a lot of the children are. It causes a big schism yes. between them. So a lot of them don't have contact with him mm-hmm. even now. So we're done, right? Why do I feel like you're about to know? <laughs> <laughs> um, he was in prison. Obviously, no possibility of parole. Mm-hmm. However, you can appeal. Yep. Um, in 2011, there was a retrial, and some I, I don't understand law. I don't. I'm sure, we're not um, lawyers. I have no idea, but apparently there is something called an Alfred plea, um, which basically he would have to plead. He pled not guilty to. In the first trial. Mur- right, for murder. This one, he could plead guilty to manslaughter. So and, a lesser charge. Right, which he could get out from time served. Mm. And he, in the documentary, this is where he just, I don't know, I don't want to say I'm guilty of something I didn't do. And the lawyer's like, you can literally get out of jail. So he does end up Mm, pleading guilty, pleading guilty to um, this Alfred or taking the Alfred plea, which lowered the sentence to manslaughter or the charge to manslaughter. And now he lives in a dumpy old apartment in North Carolina. So he got time served. Mm-hmm. He got out as soon as he mm. pled guilty. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot. Obviously, the American legal system is very intricate, and we're not experts at all. But there, there are some pieces of it like that that kind of as long as you know the law. I mean, irk me a little bit. Like yep. that doesn't seem quite right. How does to that? Me. Yeah, when you were found guilty of premeditated sure. murder. Yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know about that. I, and this is no offense to any lawyer or any defense lawyer, but I, to me, I just could not do that job. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of the time these people are guilty, and all you're trying to do is find, like, a loophole to get either a lesser sentence or, sure. you know, and I'm like, I just, I... Sure, and, and to play devil's advocate to mm-hmm. that, there are also a lot of people that are accused and charged that Absolutely. are not guilty, and it's a defense lawyer's job to prove that, so I think... Absolutely. I'm, and like I said, I am not saying anything. No, I have a lot of respect for lawyers and, and, I could, and the work you do. You would be a great lawyer, I think. You think? You're a great, like, you're a great arguer. <laughs> Celeste can, like, pick it up, flip it, and reverse it on you in a minute. Like, oh. I'm like, can we talk about Celeste has been grumpy with me for the past two days because wow. I dream cheated on her. Oh, you did. You were a dream douchebag. <laughs> A dream douche. And, like, I literally woke up, and, like, she was kind of pissed at me. Low I, key, was, I, I was. I thought like, we were divorced when I woke <laughs> up, because we were divorced in my dream. I, like, you know, like, the birds singing and, like, the music, da da you know, the first wake up. That's me. And Celeste is like, fuck you, bitch. Like, you cheated on me. And I was like, no, I didn't. <laughs> I'm, like, handing my phone over. Like, you can look at anything. It wasn't, che- like, well, the cheating was a big part of it, but you called me stupid. And if there's one thing that I hate more than anything on earth, it is being called stupid. 
I would never call you stupid. I would hope not. Dream you had other plans. <laughs> that wasn't me. That was Patricia. Was and with swingers. Like, what? I had a dream Caitlin cheated on me with um, two swingers. And I have nothing against people who have that lifestyle. I'm not at all hating on that. That was literally just my dream. So. <laughs> Yeah. And you broke a jar of salsa. And After then we you had, called me stupid. We had tacos last night. Yeah, and I like, was like, you want some salsa? I was like, watch your mouth. <laughs> Isn't it funny how dreams. And I had taken, I take my wedding ring off when I, <laughs> like, okay. when I cook with usually like raw meat. I just don't like having it on. So sure. I take it off and I, for whatever reason, <laughs> I was cutting up chicken. So I had taken it off. And so Celeste wakes up, she goes, and you're not even wearing your wedding ring. It was not looking good for you that morning. <laughs> I like went to the store and I was like, oh, I don't even have my wedding ring on. And so I was just like, I bet you don't. <laughs> she was <laughs> sassy. I think today's the first day that you have not been <laughs> a little sassy today. I'm like, I'm sorry. Well, hell, I mean, in the dream, we were like packing our shit up and like moving out. And then I wake up and you're snoring. And I'm like... <laughs> Okay, didn't happen. I've gotten pissed. You've dream cheated on me too before, and I'm just like, mm. I'm sure we're not the only couple that gets mad at each other literally in life. Shit that your own brain makes up about the other person <laughs> in a dream. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. There's that. <laughs> uh, well, those were two good ones. They were. Um, super paranormally, but... No, a little true crime every now and then. I do. Bad. One of my favorite episodes was when we did... I think we each had our own episode because we like, did a it real so big It was so big, yeah. was I did Bonnie and Clyde and you did Jesse James. Yeah. So if you want to hear another one like that, if y'all... If you like the true crime, let us know. If you don't, let us know. <laughs> sure. Either way. Yeah. Um, we did get another listener story, too. So keep sending them in. We're, we don't have enough yet, but... We need five more. Yeah. And let's see. This one was from... And I apologize. I've not had a chance to respond to you yet. This is from Ashley. So thank you, Ashley, for sending in your story. Awesome. Um, and yeah, keep sending them in. Mm-hmm. I think we said when we got seven, we would do the episode. So keep them coming. Or maybe eight. I guess we would go for six at this point, depending on like the uneven number doesn't. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair, fair. <laughs> All right, fair enough. We'll keep sending them in. Yeah. All right. So go see Caitlin. Come see me on Facebook. Yes, come see us on Instagram at Ghoul Friends Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Ghoul underscore Friends. You can find us on TikTok at Ghoul Friends Podcast. And if you have a listener story, and I know y'all do, send them in to us at ghoulfriendspodcast at gmail.com. And if you need some sweet ghoulish merch to keep you cool for the summer, you can get that at ghoulfriendspod.redbubble.com. Good job. That's just a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it's just a you do so well. I just, I could not do it. I'd just <laughs> let you reel it off. <laughs> Very fair. Well, any final words before we wrap up? I am starving. Okay. Well, let's go get lunch then, shall okay. we? Yeah. All right. Well, for now, we hope you have a safe and spooky week. As always, I'm Celeste. And I'm Caitlin. And we're your cool friends. See you. Come on. <laughs> <laughs>